Hey, I'm Jeff Johnston, host of the Living Undeterred podcast. Um, excited about today's show. A lot of similarities between this young man and myself as we <laughs> as we navigate through all things. I'm going to say we'll probably stay in the mental health area today, but who knows where we're going to end up. Yeah. Ken and I had a really good conversation when we first met each other, and um, I have a good feeling we're going to cover a lot of ground. So Ken Stearns, welcome to the Living Undeterred podcast. Thank you very much, Jeff. I um, appreciate the chance to kind of share the other side of the mic with you. Yeah, this will, this will be good. This will be fun. You know, I as people that follow our story kind of know in regards to what happened, but what they mm-hmm. don't see is the what they don't see is the beauty that came out of it. You know, the the advocacy, mm-hmm. the people I've met. Uh, yeah. Obviously, with the the tour we did last summer, we met a lot of interesting people. Um, let's start with the Jar Foundation, the Jar Project, probably where this idea came mm-hmm. from. Explain to the listeners and followers a little bit about this, sure. this initiative. I think it's phenomenal. I was again on your on your site this morning, kind of looking things over, and I think, wow, this guy. This guy's courageous. I admire what you do. You know, to try to talk to people and storytell and all that. So, just why don't you start with uh, a little bit about your why, and we'll end up to uh, to where you're at today. Yeah. Yeah. So my, uh, you know, my why was Jeff was trying to figure out what I was going to do when I finished corporate. Uh, I needed. I I was looking for that third act. You know, what's my exit strategy? You know, what does my life mm-hmm. look like when I'm eighty? You know, you know, mm-hmm. I try to figure, you know, and I'm, and I was 50 something and I was kind of having that, yeah, not an existential crisis or anything. It was just a really, a kind of a, you know, mature self conversation about what I want to, what do I want to do when I'm 70? What's going to wake me up and, you know, keep me going. And I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't really have it. I thought, oh, I'll be a public speaker. And that was kind of what I was, I was headed towards, write a book, um, Mm-hmm. And kind of do the grind of of being a public speaker, go around and kind of share my story, you know, share some of the stories and experiences I've had. I was a corporate insurance guy and ended up uh, just through some fate, ended up in Asia. And uh, I was in Asia for about 20 yeah. years as a, as a regional person and lived in some countries uh, here and there, a few countries. And and really, at the end, I I got a couple of light jobs. I was very lucky. Um, I had some crazy, you know, crazy corporate jobs, those 18 hour days, you go to bed thinking about work, you wake up thinking about work, you're working on Saturday, Sunday, it was, you know, maniac. And then I had, I got lucky, you know, didn't look like, luckily, my career went sideways. (laughs) And, and I kind of got put out the pasture a little bit. You can't always say that for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I didn't think it was lucky at the time. You know, I was kind of on a good track. I had a, you know, I had some increasingly aggressive roles. I had some really big responsibilities and then I didn't. And there I was kind of with, Mm -hmm. you know, twiddling my thumbs and all of that, you know, that energy I still had kind of that I was producing uh, to stay, to stay alive, you know, was, was being channeled into other stuff. And I started becoming intentional around a few things, um, more street photography, going around with a camera, trying to create and imagine, you know, create art with the, with the camera. Um, I bought a guitar right. at 52 and started playing guitar. I didn't think I was going to become Bruce Springsteen. You never played prior? You never played prior to then? It was my third try. It's my third try. I, I had a, I played trumpet as a kid. And I had guitar and trumpet and uh, my nun, 
was nowhere near as aggressive as my trumpet teacher when I was in you know grade school. And so the trumpet teacher won out because that was his rice bucket. His rice bowl was was me coming on Saturdays, <laughs> and the nun was not as right. aggressive. So the guitar got dropped. I bought another one. I don't know when I was thirty, and I somewhere I lent it to somebody one night, and it never came back. And so it was my third try, and I just made a contract with myself that I would play it for two years. I would get a teacher. And I would, at the end of two years, I would, I would make an assessment, you know, and then stay or go. Right. And, and that was really these, these weird things that people can do in life for yourself or even for other people, I would, I would imagine, but they're, that are intentional and, and have some momentum and, and they'll take you places. I've kind of been articulating this, you know, it'll take you places you can't see Jeff and, and I think right. that's kind of even your journey. Once you start channeling your energy and you're doing these activities, you'll end up where, you know, like this, you couldn't imagine two years ago that you'd be, you're doing this and this would be your, your no, passion. I, I couldn't at all. And you're exactly right, Ken. And I get, I go back and kind of look at, I look at the little blocks of time in my life. And, and what I noticed for me, the, the pivot points for me was when mm. I embraced learning. When I decided that yes. I wasn't too old yes. to fill in the yes. blank. And so it's like, you know, I went and bought an RV at 55 years old, which I've never been in an RV in my entire life. And, and, and you <laughs> I know, love that. I haven't. And I started the oh. podcast and I've never even turned on camera lights and had to record. I mean, people that know me are like, Jeff, you can't run a podcast, dude. You're, you're, yeah. you're, so, you're so inept at technology, but I've learned how to work my GoPro and I've learned how to set up a like you, you know, on the fly, set up a camera, mic, you know, and do a recording things that I, things that, you know, I really, I guess they didn't want to have to learn, but, but when you go through it and you learn a new skill at an older age, you're like, okay, there's, there's a lot more out there. I can learn. I mean, geez, I, yes. I know, I know such a small percentage of, of things that I'm capable of learning. And that's the fun part. I think of aging. If you keep yourself learning and challenging, would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. And, and I think I'd add on to it and say, this is that part where it takes you, that learning takes you places you didn't, you couldn't imagine, you couldn't see before. You couldn't visualize yourself in that place um, because you're, you know, you're open to it and you take the first step and one thing leads, one box leads to another unopened door. Yeah. You open that door and you're like, whoa, there's another room full of doors. I didn't know this room was here. Yeah. You know, And you're like, well, let's try this door. And, you know, that's got some doors in it um, and you can poke around. Yeah, so guitar was a fun thing. I mean, guitar, really, I met an individual, uh, became my teacher, still friends today. He's actually helping on the podcast. And that guy led mm -hmm. me back to my book. So because of him, I, I picked up writing again, uh, picked up my book and ultimately mm -hmm. wrote the book, uh, which became, you know, part of, you know, but really center point to what I'm doing today. And it's, so it's a really interesting, you know, journey of, of discovery and self-discovery. So it is that, so there I was, I was in Asia and I had this job and, and I got kind of an easier job and I bought a guitar and I hung out and I did some work and I started practicing guitar. Then I started getting back to this book. And before I knew it, I was deep into the book. I had just basically finished this book and I was starting to look and say, okay, what do I do with this? And started thinking about this podcasting idea and traveling by the RV. Mm -hmm. I had that RV idea. 
Never. I had only been in an RV. I I tested it a couple of years ago with my daughter. We rented an RV okay. and drove around the Pacific Northwest okay. for seven days on a on a test, and that was the only time wow, I'd ever been awesome. in an RV. And uh, same, so same, like you know, I just was, and I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. I could do this. <clears throat> and you know, it's not real clear to me where the ideas kind of came together. Um, this yeah. is a, still a bit of a mystery to me. Uh, which sounds, I know it sounds kind of weird to be doing something that I'm not really sure how I came up with all of the ideas. Oh, it's not weird. It's together. not weird at all. Isn't that weird? Is it? No. It's, yeah, it must be. It's normal for both you I, and I. I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I kind of want to say that, you know, it's definitely not my idea. Yeah. Uh, that in that creative process, in that, in that merging and kind of that, that almost that violent coming together of disparate ideas. Yeah. Right. It's kind of like, you know, right. Who thought playing guitar, writing a book, thinking about a podcast. Also, I want to travel the U S when I, you know, when I, when I get out of corporate, you know, who would think that that would all kind of come together. And so, uh, I created this idea called the jar podcast. And the concept is to take questions from this book about human things and to turn it into questions and travel the country and talk to people <clears throat> about what's in the jar. Hmm. And so there's, so I've got this, I commissioned, actually I commissioned four beautiful jars to be made and they're, they're quite substantial size. There's 444 pre-printed questions from my book in there. Hmm. And we sit down, I drive around the country, 111 cities, and I come to people, rock up to people's homes and, you know, Invite me in, and we sit down at the kitchen table, put the jar down. Now, do you have pre are these preset meetings, or are you just doing this spontaneously? Preset, yeah, preset. So we we, we okay. use a little Facebook ad, so we meet people on Facebook, um, and so they're they're obviously going to be quite aware of what's going on, um, mm -hmm. uh, but they don't know the questions, and it's a fun concept mm -hmm. because the questions are quite deep and personal and heavy. Right. And the conversation goes off a cliff right away because I don't ask the question. Mm -hmm. Right. You're just the messenger you, of, of a jar. <laughs> I'm just, I just hold the jar and the, yep. and the guest pulls the question. So the questions are, are just 12 topics. So there's 444 questions, but only 12 topics. So there's a lot of different angles on every topic. So a lot of slices on a certain particular questions. So there's and how many do they draw I out? The, how many does each person draw out? If we go for about an we do about fifteen minutes of personal background uh, because I think that you know the foundation of childhood and you know childhood and what you're doing today is kind of central, and then stuff in the middle that's that's important. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, knowing knowing the family, what the, what it was like growing up as a kid is really central to the themes. Because it's your, in mm -hmm. the jar is your, so it's about, it's about an hour, 15, they go about 20 questions. So it's your yesterdays, todays, and tomorrows. And that's from mm -hmm. my book called Dear God. And that's the book of self. So it's, that's mm -hmm. all about us. What's, you know, what's running around up in here, your past, your present, and your future, all the things we think right. about. And then right. the, the next part of the book is the book of others. It's between you and you and another human, if you will. And that's right. Acceptance, forgiveness, compassion. 
three great traits for interpersonal skills. You can accept people for who they are. You're not carrying around a bunch of anger or bitterness. And, you know, you're going around, you got some compassion for people as well. So I can accept people, but I also can have some, you know, compassion for them. And I'm, you know, and I'm going around with a kind of forgiving heart. And that's for interpersonal skills, great. And then the book of all, which is kind of a humanity approach, and that's love, karma, and service. Again, great stuff for, you know, going around with humanity with a loving heart, open heart, uh, leave people right. and things better than you found them. Um, and uh, go yeah. around with a heart, a service, yeah. you know, my, uh, being a service minded person, uh, serve, you know, kind of serve, what do we, can we do in our approach to humanity to serve? Um, which is kind of what you've taken up. Yeah, because it's, it's very unfortunate that we are consumers, but we don't yes. put things back. So it's like, you know, I, when my son, my yeah. youngest son and I are certified scuba divers, just to give you an idea that I, that echoes what you just talked about, Ken, is when we travel, we try to be intentional. Like if it's a seven day mm. dive trip, which is typically what happens okay. to the group that we buy our trips from, they have, they have preset like times that we go is yes. they, there's always some times, there are always some times in some of these countries, these islands that we're at, that we have downtime. And I always tell Roman, let's find yes. an organization where we can volunteer. We can. So one time we, we volunteered with a, a reef, uh, like replanting organization where they would go out mm. with toothbrushes and they had these reefs blocked off and we would just scrub reefs and then we'd put putty on and then we plant new, new, uh, new, new reefs, new um, coral or, yeah, new it, reef, you know, yeah. I, here I am with my son in the ocean <laughs> with a, with a toothbrush, you know, in, in the significant of things, I really doubt what I did was going to change the course of humanity. But there was something about giving back, even as yes. insignificant as one piece of elkhorn or staghorn coral in the magnitude of the of the ocean of, and of then the, the ocean, world yeah. and then the universe. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like yeah, but no. but I felt so <clears throat> good. Is that yes. what you're talking yeah. about? That feeling you get yeah. when you give back? Yeah, the serp I mean it's you there's no such thing like it's it's giving, but you're not really I mean, it's not a net takeaway. Right, I, I don't think the energy you're producing Agreed. there is a is a loss for you. Right, you, you you're giving something up. No, but you're, it's like a you net said, positive. The, in, the internal, sure. yeah, the internal combustion, you know, of energy that happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's recharging. You know, that's do you there's think, so many things we do. Do you think that same that take out our energy? Do you think that same i Do you think that same idea works with people going through like grief and depression and anxiety and, and suicidal yeah. and things that, are, that go with being human, all the anxiety and stress we have. Do you think giving back and being in service is a great way to, to um, take some of that angst or energy that you have and, and produce it oh, yeah. into something positive by giving back? Yeah. Cause if you're, I think it's the gratitude you're creating this gratitude energy. And, and, and I do think there's negative and positive you know, there's obviously negative and positive, positive energies. And then there's also that those things where you you're creating more energy or giving out energy. I think in actions and thoughts, you know, there are there are energy creating thoughts and energy draining thoughts. And, and I think an action of of humans, of being in service to mankind, being to fellow humans, just to the earth, you know, for sure, you're creating positive energy for yourself. It's not so a, you have definitely this not a big jar. Drain. 
big jar with all these questions in it, right? So you reach in, pull yeah. out a question, then you guys have a great dialogue. Okay. I'm going to yeah. ask you a question yeah. from my jar. Okay. <laughs> so I, I've got a, I've got a jar here in front of me. I'll pull out a question. Okay. And this is one I know you know of, cause I'm pretty sure it's in your jar. Um, Ooh. all right. Ken Stearns, what is your biggest regret? Oh, it is absolutely. And, um, it's in there. It's in there. I think the biggest, you know, it's a weird, it's a much. weird regret. Yeah. It's a, not a weird regret, but it's, it's a plus and minus regret. I, I regret letting my marriage go. Hmm. Um, and I say, let it go. Cause I, I'm, I'm definitely responsible for my part and maybe all of it. Um, hmm. I, I idolize or fantasize about the idea of being old and having that core family, the family and that relationship yeah, of some of growing old with someone. Right. I, I, mm -hmm. I definitely idolize that. And I fantasize about that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that was the right person maybe for me. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to justify that, but I would say the biggest regret is, is, is not being married with that 50 year, kind of badge yeah. and that, and holding that core right. family together. Hmm. Yeah. I've, I, I've, I've been asked this question by people as well during different scenarios of my life. And, mm -hmm. you know, for me, Ken, if I had to say my biggest regret for me would be not understanding the impact that, that prescribing Adderall would have had on my son, Seth, when a doctor mm -hmm. said, you have attention deficit, you know, here's a thing called Adderall. I just accepted it as the correct answer to what my son needed. And that, that's like, I don't have a lot of regrets, but that's one I do have is that I just, I didn't do my research and I had, a, I had a right as a dad to say, no, my son's not taking Adderall, but I didn't. I just accepted that diagnosis as being accurate. And maybe it was a correct diagnosis for Seth from the standpoint that Adderall helped. But, but the fact that it was the first thing we went to, that's what, that's what has me disappointed. You know, yeah, there had to be other things I, I we could have done. Yeah. You look back and it's like, oh, I went straight for the dope. Right. Yeah. Straight for that, that, you know, well, that'll fix it. And right. And that's the mentality. I, that's the Western mentality we have, Ken, because when it comes to diet and when it comes to losing weight, wow, let's go on a diet. It's like. You know, really diets are just horrendous. <laughs> they're not, they're not good in any, at, oh. they're not good in any aspect of anything. They're not, they're just, they're not healthy. They're nice. deprive your body of nutrients and all the, all the things you need. Um, and, and they really can create poor eating habits and or you have, you have kind of an unhealthy yeah. relationship with money. Cause you're, I mean, with um, food, because you're, it's, it, it's, it's motivated by, by fear and scarcity. Oh yeah. And not yeah, by love and I, abundance. Like I love my body. I want to put good things in my body. And that's a, that, a that's love. But instead of, I don't want to get fat. I don't want diabetes. I don't want this. Now it's driven by fear. And <laughs> it's a whole different sense I, of motivation when you're, when what you're doing is driven by fear. I diet is a diet, The word right there is all you need to know. Right. You I hate start it. with the fact that yeah. your, your relationship with food is around a diet. No, it's negative right out of the bat. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I, I think back to that, the Adderall idea, I think one thing that we've allowed um, that, that I've I kind of fast forward a little bit or, or kind of go back and fast forward at the same time after eight months of doing the jar 
I took a break in December and I, you know, one of the, it's kind of funny. I'm, I, on the, on the show that we were on the mental health show, I play a commercial, you know, kind of call it a commercial. And it's me very much in the beginning before I even started the jar tour. And I'm saying, and I'm describing what I'm going to do. And, and one mm -hmm. of the closing comments I make is that I'm going to find that common thread and I'm going to share it with people. And the common thread mm -hmm. among the stories is mental health, which we talked about, you know, mm, that absolutely. I'm yeah. 200 plus people I've interviewed all colors, all creeds, all parts of the country, big city, small city, every religion you can imagine. And man, the mental health crisis in America is a real thing. I mean, it's everybody. It's, it. it's everywhere. Yep. It's everybody gets touched by it. Um, and you never know. You're not really in control of when something, you know, is going to pop up in your life, a, a trauma or an event um, that you have zero control over. Um, and, and then do you have the skills to deal with it? Uh, do we know how, you know, do, what kind of training do we have? Yeah. What's your thoughts on, uh, yeah, what's your thoughts? I mean, there's, there's a tad of a delay in our, our recording, which is fine. Um, okay. Because you and I are seasoned pros, so we, we can handle this, right, Ken? We're seasoned pros. Um, I'm a seasoned pro. But uh, <laughs> uh, what's your thoughts on, say, something I talk about when I, when I, do my presentation called living undeterred better, not bitter. One of my, or my first living undeterred mindset is expectations. So what's your thoughts mm -hmm. on the expectations we have as humans? Like we expect to live forever. We expect not to have a cancer diagnosis. We expect to never have our children die first. You know, we expect to be in a, be in a good marriage, you know? And, and I guess what happens is I think sometimes we have this wishful thinking mindset as humans that we are ill prepared to handle the realities of the, you know, the cruel mm. aspects of living because, you know, living is, is unfair. It's unjust. It's unkind. It's mean, it's cruel, but in the middle of all of it, it's unbelievably beautiful. But I think a lot of times, yeah. especially with kids today with, with Gen Z mental health, which is a big passion of mine is that they just, they're, they're not prepared for the inevitable horrific things that happen to you in your life. And it's just part, the longer you live, it's mathematically guaranteed. <laughs> The longer you live, uh, it is. I mean, absolutely. you're, you're going to have someone you care about die when you're 50, much higher probability than when you're seven, um, yes. just because you live longer. Yeah. And so, but, but we don't teach kids anything about expectations of the realities of mm. life. What's your thoughts on that? That's a good, I mean, I think we've got to kind of go through a little bit with that hopeless romantic, you know, that kind of attitude yeah. of life, which is, it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. Things are going to be okay. I'm not going to be the one. Um, I, right. I think there is, I think that is a survival skill. Like, cause otherwise mm -hmm. if you fill that vacuum with it's good, Oh, what was me? It's going to happen to me. Then that's the reverse side of that's also right. kind of not good. Right. So yeah. the, the opposite of that is, is you're going to be living in fear. Uh, you won't be living undeterred. You're going to be you're going to be, right. you won't even do anything because you'll be deterred, right? You, well, you, know, you know what my son says, Ken? You know, yeah. My son, Ian, has a name for this. My son, Ian, has a name. When you're not living undeterred, you're living under a turd. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not, you my, know. My son, Ian, he, says he's not, that. He's you know, not he wrong. says, Dad, Dad, you're living, you're living under a turd today. Under I'm a like, turd. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 
Yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm in a turd moment. I'm in a turd mood, right? I'm in a poopy That's mood. Right. That's right. I, and yeah. I think we, I think we do have to live. I think it's okay to live with those kind of, you know, um, starry eyes, the wonderment of life. Um, and I guess we, we've got to be that foundation of being able to handle tough stuff comes somewhere in the youth, right? As kids, I think somewhere yeah, in I agree we're teaching with kids, you yeah. know about disappointment expectations and not always getting things. And I think those are very subtle life clues we teach, but I don't think Jeff, uh, Jeff, I don't think anything can prepare you for the stuff, stuff that you went through, um, stuff that so many people go through losing kids, losing kids for sure. You know, the toughest, um, the greatest impact I've seen on people and the biggest motivator. Yeah, I, that's a good point. That's the greatest impact because losing a child certainly cost my wife her life. I would no question. Yes. My wife would be here today if yeah. Seth wouldn't have died. Now we both yeah. were alcoholics, so we had our own problems. It's not like we'd be all, you know, on unicorns and rainbows, you know. Um, the reality is it, it was still a challenge. But yes. Um, yeah, there's some there's something to say about that. It's like, you know, I think with kids today, they're just um well, maybe we're setting them up as parents, Ken, because maybe we coddle them too much. You know, it used to be, you know, my dad oh. would be here and if we if we set up the garbage cans. I don't know how old you all, I, I don't think we're massively far apart. I'm 57, but we would set up the garbage cans with the ramps like evil Knievel and we would get the kids around and we'd watch and we, we would crash and sometimes break a finger and scuff your knee. And it's like, my dad would just like, there wasn't hospital visits back then. It's like, you know, you just, you wrapped up some bandages and you went out and played and we all seem to survive and, and we all seem to actually thrive because you build up this sense of resiliency. I don't know if we yeah. do that today with our youth. I, not, not as much. I do think it, I do think it was, I think that sixties and seventies and for sure the generations before that, even, even more so, um, closer to get to farm life and everything else where people are living, you know, yeah. crazy, you know, the kids, well, we're from, we're from Iowa, man. Go. I mean, yeah, a lot, a lot of kids here yeah. grew up in farms when I was younger. I know there's, there's not as many family farms in our country as there was back in the seventies, but you know, a lot of my classmates were farmers and they actually worked three hours before they got on the bus and went to school. I, I was going to say those kids, man, I guarantee you, they were up at five 30 collecting eggs, uh, putting hay out. Yeah. They did all that, yep. all that stuff before they, before they got on the bus, before they ate breakfast, probably. Yeah. Uh, they had, they had to go put in a couple yeah. hours of work and, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, are we living? I think it's different. I think every generation, every old, you know, every two old guys on a radio show 50 years ago had the same conversation <laughs> about, about. We had to walk kids. 20 miles in the snow, you know, fighting, Up, fighting grizzly bears just to get both to school, ways. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uphill yep. both ways. Yep. Um, so yep. I think, I think, the, I think they're going to be fine. I've have interviewed quite a too. few, uh, the third, the 20 somethings you know, quite a few 20 something kids and at least the ones I've, I've been in contact with impressive and a good, mm-hmm. they're good critical thinkers. They've got a lot of skills. We didn't have a lot of exposure to things Correct. we, we, we didn't have. So there's a different skill set I think that they're carrying, um, than we had. Well, I so think we, one thing Ken, if you think about this is kids today need a substantially bigger and better filter when it comes to information, because, you know, you and I, mm. back when we were going to high school, we didn't have the access to information. We were just told some things by our parents, told some things by our teachers. And then we just went out and observed the world. I mean, we, we basically yes. were our own 
research department. Now today, kids don't even have to leave their bed and they can look at every statistic and on every aspect of life in every country in real time and probably watch it live on video. You know, I, we didn't have that. There's a, I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm saying it's just that I think kids today are getting more things thrown at them quicker with more negative intentions. Like there's actually people designing systems to manipulate the minds of kids with Snapchat and, yes. and Instagram and, uh, and uh, TikTok. I think kids today, I think one thing we need, we need to teach kids today is, is a better filter, a better way to disseminate information, to figure out on their own what they're seeing is real and, and fake. And then understanding that what they see, a lot of it's driven by poor intentions by corporate America or, or yeah. say other, other countries and, and kids have to develop and maybe it's our responsibility to show them ways to do so Ken, but I think they need a bigger, bigger filter point. than we ever had. It's a you really know? good point. The it's a, they're in a very different environment than we were in. Like you said, I mean, I, I was man, 18 year old high school kid. I was totally clueless about the world, about everything. Yeah. Imagine if there were cell phones back when you and I were in high school. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I want that. I couldn't imagine. What I don't either. Like <laughs> I don't either. And kids today now have that constant fear of someone walking around every time they do something, you know, right in their face. Oh I, we had our expo here this weekend. We had our expo here this weekend and I was moderating a first responders panel. We had a sheriff, okay. we had a, a, a ER, individual. We had, um, we had a fi assistant fire chief here and I asked him about that. I said, you know, when you guys pull up on an accident scene and the first thing you see is 10 people with their cell phones, you oh, know, goodness. it changes how you probably, it changes how you probably are going to react. And back in the day when a police officer pulled up on a scene, there wasn't that video footage going yes. and they could probably do things. And you know what you may say, someone may say this is the wrong, the wrong thing for me to say, but you know, you may do something to save someone's life that maybe crossed some type of a legal barrier. Like maybe the police officer put himself mm -hmm. in a position where he could be sued if somebody was filming, but he was trying his best yes. to save that life. Today, first responders are under that constant pressure. Police officers, teachers now, there's someone in the back row with their cell phone out. How are you going to handle that mouthy kid? And I think that just adds so much more tension on both sides, <laughs> the perpetrator and the person it, it's, it's oh. just, it's really unfair to even operate under that environment. I think. Yeah, that's, it's brutal. I, I I'm with you. Thank God there weren't cell phones around when I was a kid. <clears throat> I mean, I wish, I, I wish I had I some mean, of those not memories. That we, yeah. But you know, we have them those... up here. Yeah. I was talking fading, to someone. I, I was just talking to someone about that, Ken, you know, because I like to, I like to back in the day when my son was playing a lot of junior golf, I always tried to record things and I missed a lot, a lot of live moments because I was yeah. so focused on recording. And the irony is I haven't watched any of those videos. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's real. But the one of me jumping over three garbage cans on my Schwinn banana seat bicycle <laughs> with the I cinder blocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With yep. the, with the, with the sparkle seat, did you have sparkles in your seat with the white one? Yeah. Or did you have like a, Oh yeah. 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 That was a real thing. Yeah. And more than likely I had the $50,000 Mickey Mantle rookie card in my spokes with a paper clip. And now I'm going, <laughs> why didn't I pick, you know, why didn't I pick a different card? Why Mickey Mantle's rookie card? And I, you know, I, oh. I honestly, honestly, I have, um, I have a, uh, Walter Payton rookie card that has the crease line in it that I had in my stupid bike oh. for probably all summer. Oh. Yeah. It's like, man, 
the decisions we make, oh. right? Oh yeah, I still think when we when my we moved my parents out of their house and uh, man, we had the biggest dumpster you've ever seen dropped off in the driveway, and I can still remember yeah. having these decisions as a twenty four year old throw it away, keep it, throw it away. And we had nowhere to put anything. So everything got thrown away and just boxes yeah. of boxes. Oh, you think of all of the cards. valuable things that people have tossed <laughs> out. I, I was going through oh, some man. things last weekend. I had the dumpster here in my house last weekend, a big dumpster. And I was, you know, I like to declutter my life like every five years, you know, try to cut things way down and goodwill. Oh, it's a great, things like that. But I came across a whole box that. of these. Yeah. These, a box of these, um, uh, older, uh, uh, Pokemon cards or Pokemon. Or I don't know how it's pronounced. Oh. Pokemon, let's say. Yeah. And Pokemon. I was going to throw them out. And one of my sons like, no, these are my son who passed away. These are his Pokemon cards. And I didn't, I didn't really need them. And I was going to toss them. And he's like, no, 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 dad, there's one card that went for a million dollars. And I'm like, what? <laughs> a million oh, yeah. dollar don't throw a po Pokemon card. Yeah. Have you, yeah, you should take those to a, uh, or at least have a look through. I am. I have yeah, them Pokemon's now. It's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. You can I know I've made enough Pokemon mistakes with throwing out throwing out my retirement fund because I thought it was a stupid $2 card. <laughs> oh, that is too funny. Um, yeah. Hey, so so the I want to, I want to, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was go just ahead. Say mental, the, yeah. The trend, yeah. The mental health part and just, you know, that theme that, that has come across, you know, so many people and then getting the idea to kind of do something about it. I think, you know, kind of similar mm -hmm. to what you're, you know, I'm a little, you're around the corner, you know, you're just slightly around the corner from me. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. so I just got that idea, start the foundation, um, create an LLC around it and start to do more around the mental health. And really that's going to become, I think my mm -hmm. purpose. Um, it's really becoming a focus for me, you know, hearing so many stories and just so keep the jar going, uh, as a conversation for people, uh, to normalize mm -hmm. mental health conversations, I think, which is what you and I are doing all about. Let talk about it, talk about your feelings, talk, you know, ask for help if you think you need it. Um, and, and so that's kind of what I'm doing now is, you know, kind of keep the jar going and start building out this mental health part and, and see where it goes. I, I don't know where it's going to lead me, but I'm on that road. So for, for you personally, now I'm going to ask you my second question here. Um, so for you personally, where does your why come from? Where, where does this desire to help mm. people with their mental health come from for you? Yeah, it, it's, it really is. It's a good, it's a good question. Cause I don't, I don't know. And I don't even know if I have a pat, if this is a, a passion, like a why and a passion, it's, it's kind of, it's like, I'm following my path in a way, Jeff, it's, it's kind mm -hmm. of a strange thing. I've, the jar was really a passion to hear people's stories, to give people that platform. And, and I started that partly for myself, to be honest, you know, if I was really, truly, brutally honest, I did that as part of my next career. This is, you know, kind of give me some legitimacy yeah. to do this project. Yeah. And I've got something to talk about. And then it quickly wasn't about me. You know, it was really yeah, about good point. the people. <laughs> yeah. I, I did it for me. And then I found out it wasn't about me. It was really about yeah. the people I was talking to. And there's, and then people listening to the stories that would be impacted. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's kind of my why right now is to, is to make sure the stories get a good platform and other people can hear 
themselves in the stories that I'm finding and they can relate and know you're not, you're not alone. You know, you're not the only one on this journey. You know, you may feel alone. You may feel like you're the only person going through this, but somebody has gone through something probably more difficult. And I think when you're in the mental health, I think when you're in the mental health space, Ken, and you, you, you know, you, you interview, I I don't call them interviews, but you have conversations with people of Mm -hmm. all different walks of life, as did I last summer. And I still do with my podcast. And one thing I've really learned from what, and I'll, I'll, I'll just piggyback what you said a little bit about that vulnerability door that you can crack open by, by when you share a story, it gives people permission to share their story. And so there's a tactful way to bring up there. There's a tactful way for me to bring up, say Seth's death in the group, in a group Mm -hmm. of 10 people, there's a way to do it and turn people off. And they'll, they'll, they'll say, Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then you turn around and you see that all of a sudden you're by yourself Uh, (laughs) because, because no one wants to talk (laughs) about it. And then there's a way I I could say, well, you know, my, my wife died, my wife died of alcoholism and you, and people scurry like rats, you know, they, they don't want to, they're just kind of like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid Jeff's going to ask me about, you know, my wife's or my, my husband's drinking. And it's like, no, 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 I, this isn't about that because I'm not going to force anybody to share something they're not comfortable with. I, like you, am very comfortable in sharing my yes. story. It's just, yeah. I've done it so many times now. I got Seth and Prudence right behind my shoulder here. My, 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 my for-profit app is named Brighton, which is after Seth's daughter. You know, so it's like I share my story, but I have to be cognizant that a lot of people aren't there yet, Ken. Yeah. They're just yes. not there and maybe they'll never get there. And that's perfectly okay for them. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and it, it, interesting though, they, they may listen in private, you know, they may not want to yeah. be in that conversation with you, but they might be a secret gotcha. listener to yep. your show. Right. As I say, and, as and I, I think say, that's, yeah, you're so right on that. As I say, they're engaged without engaging. Yes. Perfect. That's exactly it. And and that's fine. Those are people you're reaching, you know, with your story. And, and I think that's it, right? A lot of people are uncomfortable in that direct dialogue, but they find mm-hmm. comfort in hearing other people's stories. They need to hear it. And they, they may get there by hearing your story a few times. You know, maybe they won't be the ones that turn away when you're at the cocktail party and you, and you, you know, you're talking about your story and they're like, yeah, I was just listening to such and such. They may have questions. They may be curious. <clears throat> I don't think we're there yet a lot yeah, of times. I think um, grief is grief is tough. I think when the grief is personal and you're right there, I think it's hard for people. Honestly, I think, you know, like yeah. you're there, you're resolved. But I think for a lot of people, man, it's tough. Yeah, I, I, I'd say just personally, Ken, there's something about what happened in our family that I have kind of tricked my mind. I've kind of reframed uh, the way I'm viewing yeah. this in, 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 in the word opportunistic keeps coming up, you know, is, is hmm. that, you know, death came in, death came into my life as an opportunity to be a better man, not a bitter man. And I say that because that's really all death is. Death is just an event that I had, you know, I didn't have anything to do with it. Um, I certainly don't, torture myself with, I should have been a better ex. I should have been a better dad, a better husband. Mm. Uh, but death came into my life like it will yours. If it hasn't already as a way to say, Mm -hmm. okay, wow, pinch myself. I'm here. 
man, I'm one of the lucky ones. I have today, I have today to talk to Ken Stearns. I have today to be with my, my, uh, my two boys and and my, my father, my, my father, and then my daughter-in-law, my neighbors, you know, it's a blessing to have, to have today be here for me because how many billions and billions and billions and billions of humans don't have that opportunity today to enjoy a conversation that you and I are having, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's a, there's a sense of, and that leads me into my third question to you. I've been waiting to ask this question for you. What, what are you most grateful for, Ken? I, I think it's kind of like what you just covered. I'm, I'm just looking outside. Like I'm in a, I'm in a kind of a janky Airbnb, be honest. You know, it's one of these cheapest <laughs> oh, yeah. Airbnbs I could imagine. It's pretty janky. Janky is a word, by the way, you can look it up. <laughs> and, I will. <laughs> and I got my van outside. I got my stuff here. I'm I'm just so grateful of what I'm doing right now and where I'm at. Um, I was just looking at some photos last night of me back at corporate, you know, and and I and I love that I loved I loved doing what I was doing for a long time. Um mm-hmm. and I look back at it a little romantically now as well, even the parts mm-hmm. that, you know, I, but I look at people in pictures and I'm imagining what is it like being back in the role? And I'm so grateful I'm here. Uh, I, I'm, I'm really just flabbergasted that I'm doing this, that I'm actually physically mm-hmm. doing this after imagining it and being in that other place. Just 18 mm-hmm. months ago, I was in a suit, waking up every yeah. morning, getting in a suit, going into an office, sitting in a meeting room, having conversations about strategy and delivery and, you know, people issues and all kinds of really mundane corporate stuff that wasn't, that was way less valuable than scrubbing a piece of coral in the ocean, right? And yeah. planting some <laughs> fresh coral on it. I mean, I was, I felt like, like that was so much more monumental than what I was doing 18 months ago. Uh, you know, trying right. to move some silly dial on a on a PowerPoint and talking about this month's target or this month's target or who sold this or who bought that or who cheated who. And and here yeah. I am having real conversations and sharing these conversations with people and touching people. I mean, I'm I'm so grateful. Every, like I wake up. It's a beautiful day outside. I'm, I'm just lucky. What um, what are you most. uh? What do you fear most? Somebody asked me, um, they said, what happens if you fail? This is a couple of years back when I was kind of sharing the dream of doing this. And they're like, well, mm-hmm. what if you fail? And I was like, damn, it's a good, and a, and a, and a, so yeah, kind what of makes you failure? think, right? It's a good question. And what is failure, right? So then I was like, well, what does that look like? What does failure look like for me in this scenario? And it's giving up, stopping. Yeah. Fail, failure is not doing what you're doing. Not failure doing is, it. Is, I mean, is, yeah, giving it's, up. It's yep. not doing it and not doing, and this is mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I, I, there's no doubt in my mind I'm doing, ex- I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be doing exactly, <clears throat> excuse me. And I'm following the path. I love what you just said there. Absolutely love it because I have a good mentor, a uh, friend of mine, his name is Ron Carson. And, um, he said to me a couple months ago, he said, cause I was, I was talking to him about, 
our app and about all the projects I have and trying to tie up loose ends and yeah. I'm, I'm behind on just, just follow up emails. I mean, sometimes I don't even follow up ever because I never even open the email. I'm so busy. I know. And it's frustrating. And he just, he just reached over. I know I got my stack over here. He grabbed my arm. He said, Jeff, you are, you're exactly where you need to be in your life right now. You don't need to be any further behind captured in thought, worrying about some project you did that you didn't follow up on or some big sale that you weren't going to get. And you don't need to be captured any further ahead. You don't need to be thinking about uh, a Ted talk you have to do or a, a, a deadline you have just, you are right where you need to be right now today in your life. And if that mindset could be with everybody, yeah, you could take a deep breath. Exactly. I, I, I think that's comforting way to look at, look at life. I love this guy. Who is, who is he? Ron Carson. He's out in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, he's, um, I think transcending is a word I like to use for him. Uh, it'd be great if you could hook up with him. He's awesome. Uh, but, but again, that comes from me being open-minded to go out, talk to people around mm-hmm. the country, whether it's behind my computer or at a KOA or at a Walmart right. at two in the morning when, when we're camping there. Um, <laughs> so it, it's, it's, um, there's just something about the beauty of collaboration. There's something about the beauty yeah. of storytelling. And I'm optimistic that we can get ourselves out of this mental health crisis. Um, yeah. What are you most Agreed. optimistic about, Ken? As we wrap up the show, what are you most optimistic about? I've I've got a maybe I'll say optimistic and hopeful um couple of words in there I try to struggle to to mash them together. I've I've just been putting some thoughts together around the ecosystem for the the foundation. And I was playing with this mm-hmm. last night and I'm kind of I'm I'm hopeful and I'm I'm kind of excited about it. I want and I'm I'm excited to see what happens where it develops. Uh, because of you know it's kind of following that journey so i've i've kind of figured out that i have a that that mental health is more than just mental health right treating the symptoms right i think one takeaway i've got is we treat a lot of symptoms the 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 entire mm-hmm. medical facility our whole healthcare is predicated on treating outcomes symptoms and getting the Correct. best, I should say, treating symptoms and getting the best outcome from a bad situation. Right, right. <laughs> it's a really the most bad, it's the thing I actually hate this logic. I'm way, way more a root cause person. Mm-hmm. I like to go after root causes so we don't have symptoms, you know, or the symptoms are different or we can we can attack root causes. Everything works a little bit better and then you can manage things as they come a lot, you know, better resource management. And I think the healthcare system is completely backwards. I think the mental health crisis is going to flip flip healthcare on its head. And, you know, there's yeah. so much money in treating these diseases and everything, but so much of this is caused by mental health. Heart attacks. Yeah, prevention is huge. You know, cancer, huge. like... Yep. massive amount of, of medical conditions are directly related to our mental health. And if you include yeah. mental health as a kind of a, a pyramid, right? Yeah. It's your mind, body. It's not just, <clears throat> it's not just your mind, right? You know, it, it's a lot of things. It's what you eat. It's what you put, yeah. it's what you put in your body, what you put in your brain, yeah. 
It's what you put in your body physically. It's how you move. Do you move? Do you not move? Music is part of this. What's the kind of, what's the sound that you're allowed, the sensory absorption you're bringing in, not just food, right. but what you're putting in your head is music, is thoughts, um, things you watch, TV, you know, WhatsApp, whatever else, you know, or YouTube or Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of hopeful mm -hmm. that these ideas are coming together for the foundation that we can get some of these projects going and start again, increasing that knowledge and awareness and get just more positive information out to people about ways to address your mental health other than going to see a therapist, other than getting on some Thorazine, other than taking Adderall. Yeah. You know, what are the things we should yeah. let's let's explore some options on our on our complete mental health. Um, what is everything that mm -hmm. goes into that? And I'm, so I'm just really super excited. I'm 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 these ideas have just starting to kind of come together and I know I've got I'm sitting on something pretty powerful that can have an impact. So I'm kind of, mm, that's great. I'm right where I'm supposed to be at this moment and everything will come together as it's supposed to. Uh, I got to take a deep breath and, and let, let the universe play it out. Yeah. Let, let it, let it, um, let it come to you. Right. Um, uh, well, listen, that's you. a great way to, to wrap yeah. up the show, um, how do people reach you if somebody wants to have you stop by and uh, pull a question out of the jar? You know, um, yeah. you're on the road now. Uh, I'm hoping that when I have my, I have three separate, like I call them mini tours, but I'm really dialing down the RV trip this summer because last summer was pretty taxing, pretty exhausting. Yeah, yeah, um, it sounded crazy. And last I think year. I think summer of 2024. I'll be a lot more inclined to maybe do a, like a 60 day tour again, but um, how do people reach you? How do people inquire about where you're going to be and maybe they can meet you? Um, yeah. And, we'll, and then we'll, we'll um, get your last thoughts here. Yeah. Yeah. The easiest place to, to kind of f find all the stuff we're doing is at the jar live. So it's real easy. Just www thejar.live. Uh, we've got all the links there. Um, there are a couple, you know, a couple of good recommendations. If you can find our early YouTube uh, cities, city views, we did some kind of Netflix kind of stuff. Uh, it's a great way to kind of crack open the jar, if you will, is to get on YouTube and find one of our, our you know, go find um, uh, Olympia, Washington, or Bonner's mm. Ferry. Uh, Idaho, some great little towns, and we did a, a short summary. And then the podcast is all there. If you if you go to the website and put your email in, you can also download uh, part of my book, the first part of the book, uh, Yesterday's, Today's, mm. Tomorrow, Book of Self. You can download the. It's about twelve letters mm. in there. Real easy stuff to read. Little one page PDFs. So that's and that's and if you wanna if you wanna get on the show, um, I've got the two. One is a mental health show. You can f reach me through the through the website. Um, and that's mental health today. And I really look for really professionals or people with powerful stories around mental health. And then the jar stuff, there is uh, on the website, there is a map. So there's a really cool app called Road Trippers, if yeah. you haven't used it. And uh, and so I've got, I have my Road Trippers um, map up there. I'm in, I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas, going to Missouri, going up to Illinois, kind of across, back down to Texas. And then I cover the Southwest and California and on up to towards Oregon. Well, little, so little, if you're in those, if you're in my I'm path, gonna check, I'm going to check that website out. Yeah. 
Yeah. Fear in my path combines, you know, let me know. And I'll, and I'd love to get you on the show. If you're listening to this and you're in my path, let's get together. It'd be fun. We'd call well, Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah. Little Rock, Arkansas has a, uh, deep feeling in my heart because oh, okay. out of the whole tour, well, I'll tell you why out of the whole tour, actually two things happened last summer. Um, okay. Out of the whole tour, that was that was my most traumatic event. Was at a KOA in Little Rock, Arkansas, when I forgot to put the awning in and I tore it off the RV, um, I, I which was a away. whole adventure in itself. Yeah, yep, tore it off. And that's a whole hour long. That yeah, exactly. That's an hour long podcast show because that. Listen, I was on my way to a presentation uh, in Little Rock at um, Wolf uh, Wolf Street. Um, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, I think it's Wolf street. Um, there are, I think a recovery community center for, um, anyway, but, oh my and God. then I went back later that summer to little rock because my friend Ryan Hampton, uh, runs the mobilized recovery tour, which is an awesome, uh, RV tour around the country as well. And he was doing an event with Bill Clinton. So I went down to little rock and, uh, got to see Bill Clinton introduce Ryan Hampton on the mobilized recovery tour. So last summer I had, I had one horrific event in Little Rock when I tore my awning off. And then I had a great event when I got to meet the president of the United States. So Little Rock has an interesting um, um, respect oh, level man. in my heart. That's uh, just imagine. I can imagine you just when you hear that thing ripping oh, the awning, terrible. ripping off on something. Terrible. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what it was, was terrible. That? And I, like I said, I was, on, I was on my way to an event with my son, Roman. There was like 100 people oh. there, you know. And I tell you what, I made it there. <laughs> And some other day I'll fill you in how it went. But listen, really, really oh. enjoyed having you on the show. I always enjoy talking with you. I'm really hoping that in looking at our two maps, if we can figure out somewhere yeah, if we're close, be great. Uh, we, we can well, hook it, up. It'll and happen. Maybe do an impromptu podcast or something. Yeah, be, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. Um, thanks. I really appreciate uh, All right. having well, me on, Jeff. I always enjoyed it and best of luck. And I hope, uh, hope you pick up some new followers and listeners and, um, you can continue yeah, with too. your purpose and your passion and your why. So thanks again, man. Yeah. Appreciate it very much. Thanks everybody.